to get started, then uh, I consider myself a double winner. Uh, I'm engaged in 12-step programs, and uh, here I am. I'm going to tell a little bit about my story. What I'm first I'm going to do is I'm going to read a little bit right out of this red book. After the laundry list traits are read, right here on page six of the big red book, it said these 14 traits describe a personality who could not truly love another person or truly allow a higher power to work in his or her life. Wow. I guess we can go home now. That's it. <laughs> Anyhow, it goes on. We were children, but we unknowingly took on the responsibility for our parents' feelings and poor behavior. Our false self constantly seeks outward affection, recognition, or praise, but we secretly believe we do not deserve it. Mm. Meanwhile, the inner child is driven inward into hiding, and the false self is the adult child personality expressed in the 14 traits of the laundry list. Mm. And that's what that is. So, my childhood experience was... Uh, my father took the drink and my mother got drunk. So I lived in a house as a child growing up with no windows or doors, like living in a country without borders. Mm. You know, I didn't know what was going on. So very early age, probably around 13 or 14, I experimented with outside stuff. My first attempt to do something was sniffing some glue back in the day, you know, and then I graduated to wine, Boone's Farm apple wine and ripple. And then, of course, I just graduated to other drugs. ACA work uh, addresses multiple addictions. So I uh, experienced multiple perceptions of reality. I'm an alcoholic, drug addict, sex addict, gambler, and a food addict. Hmm. All that being said, I came into 12-step program several years ago, so I'm very familiar, crystal clear on the 12 steps and how to apply them in my life. So I wanted to talk about, first of all, the thing I read in the big red book, there's this other book that came out in 2013. Mm -hmm. It's called Strength of My Recovery. Mm -hmm. And you can get this on your phone every day, every day. And what I do is I read the reading and then it tells me the page number in the big red book. And I can cross-reference that in the big red book. It sure makes it a whole lot easier for me to read that book. So, one of the other tools that I use is, of course, this, book, this yellow book. It's called The 12 Steps. I became very excited when this book came out. It came out in 2007. Before that, I'd been to ACA meetings back in the 80s, but all we did was have Tony A's 12 Steps the laundry list traits, and we'd pontificate on that and then go to the Olive Garden. That was our night out at ACA, and that's what we did. So I use this book here, 12 Steps. Of course, on the front cover, it shows this tree that's kind of dying, you know, it's not living. When I look at the back of the book, there's a tree that's thriving. Mm -hmm. So this work and this particular 12-step program for me is like below the foundation work. I call it the root cellar work. You know, where I'm getting down it. But the goal here is to become emotionally sober. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the other book that I have used, and I've been using this since the beginning of the pandemic. And I go to a nice, nice 
ACA trades meeting on Sunday night out in New York City that they go to one trade a week. And they somebody will share on that for 10 minutes, and then we open up the floor to other shares. So it's been very instrumental in entertaining and dismantling the belief system and be gaining more emotional sobriety. And the final book now is his, just came out this year. It's the Loving Parent Workbook guy. So those are, those are the, the pieces of literature that ACA offers to recover from this crazy state of mind and body. My recovery is all inclusive, heart, mind, body, and soul. I'm slipping my, you still see me there? I yes. just took my face off of, the, off of the screen so I could see everybody else. And so I was just online with my fellow traveler from Australia earlier. And he says, if, you, if you're going to meetings and you're not doing the work, it's like sitting in the garage wanting to be the car. <laughs> I thought that was great. I really loved that. It's like, you know, not doing the work. It's like sitting in the garage wanting to be the car. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty classic when he said that tonight. So I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that from now on. Nothing I say tonight is original. Either I read it or heard it somewhere else. Because of my own thinking, I couldn't think this kind of stuff up. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this integration tonight. I think that the, the laundry list and how we become, learn how to validate ourselves, learn how to uh, validate and, uh, and live our lives. You know, I'll give you a, a, one scenario. We used to eat our dinner. I was very young. We used to eat our dinner every night at six o'clock. My father was an absent father. He was a cross-country truck driver. And uh, one time he was gone for a year. We didn't hear from him. We didn't see him. We didn't know what was going on. And six o'clock at night, my mother set the table for her, my sister and myself. And my father walked in. He always went to the bar before he came home off a road trip. So she put down another plate on the table. We all sat and ate. In silence, and when we were done eating, everybody scattered like roaches. That probably was the manifestation of don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but maybe that was part of it. Of course, being a child, I was told, you know, children should be seen and not heard. So that even validated more so. Don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. Mm-hmm. So as I continue maneuvering across this terrain and talking to fellow travelers and, and, and continue to do this work, I become more open and become make more clarity on how crazy i really am i'm crazy now how would i explain that if i was in a room with somebody and i made eye contact with somebody across the room and a smile or something i said oh this might be the one this could be the one i approach that person have a conversation they said well i just got out of rehab center i attempted suicide three times and my mother stabbed my father to death I said, ah, oh, being the hero child, I can fix this. Somehow I can figure out how to help this person. Mm. <laughs> now, that's crazy. That's crazy thinking. I didn't know that I became the hero child because I wanted to save my mother. I think the manifestation of the hero child came when my father was leaving on a road trip. Early in the morning, you could hear the truck driving away. My mother was uncontrollably sobbing in the windowsill. And the thought crossed my mind. I don't know how old I was, but it's, I got to stop my mommy from crying. And then that's the manifestation of the hero child. That's that's when it started. And I became her surrogate husband 
until 18 years old when I escaped the family and went into the military. I went into the military. I stayed in Texas for a little while, next to California, and the next stop was Vietnam. I spent the year in Vietnam. Now, new experience in Vietnam. So now I had the opportunity to experiment with some of the most highly addictive, lethal drugs on earth. That brought more trauma. I got lots of trauma going on. So my addiction trauma just progressed more and more until I finally came in into 12-step recovery and started to unpack and dismantle the old belief system. I had no clue what was going on. When I came into ACA and I saw the literature, when the, when the yellow book came out, the, the red book came in 2006, then the yellow book in 2007. I was very excited. You know, it's written by adult children for adult children. And then the laundry list book came out in 2015. And then now the newest edition is the, uh, the Loving Parent Guidebook, which I'm going to be working with a fellow traveler in, in, in the near future. And we're going to try to maneuver across that with that information. So the way I protected myself was I, 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 I developed these survival traits. Then I also developed this ego to protect them. Character defenses, I like to call them, you know? There's mentalness, criticalness, uh, you know, sloth, envy, uh, all the defects that have no spiritual value. So that's what I developed. And they manifest in the ego. And the ego, my ego manifests in three different ways. I come, I come out here with an opinionated head, a hard heart, and a defensive body. And that's the way I operated for many years. So I had, from ages, whatever, childhood ages up to 31 years old, I had a lot of trauma. You know, childhood trauma, military trauma, and then addiction trauma. So I was, a, what would you, some people say a hot mess? Yeah, that's probably that. But I didn't know it. I thought I was fine. I thought I was okay. I thought I was doing exactly what I was supposed to. So I became a workaholic. I became a workaholic. I've come to find out by Reading the AC literature, self-sufficiency is just a facade. It's a facade to camouflage isolation. Oh, oh, I can go. I'm looking good to the external world, looking to praise, recognition, and all that exciting stuff. But it's just a facade so I can stay in isolation. And nothing happens in isolation. Only with something or somebody else. Then things happen. So that something had to be a higher power, a power greater than myself. So I read spiritual literature other than this. This is spiritual literature too. All these workbooks I just showed you, make no mistake about it. For me, it's spiritual literature. It modifies my thinking and behavior. So I read across this thing, the word God comes from the old German language, meaning the highest good of radiant energy. Oh, I'm going to use that. That's my higher power, the highest good of radiant energy. Because life is movement, and life is constantly going on and on and on. So when I get to these de character defenses, start to dismantle this, this ego by ego puncturing and ego deflation, I slowly develop this compassion. I get out of my head, which I lived in for 31 years, and I, 12 inches down is my heart. And I start to open up my heart with more compassion and empathy for other people. You know, my current uh, spiritual advisor tells me, Michael, everybody functions at their own level, psychologically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. 
So there's no need for me to react to your craziness. If I'm engaged with somebody and, and, and craziness is occurring, I can walk away from that. You know, I can walk, when I walk away from craziness, I'm walking towards serenity. I can learn how to detach from that. I'm not grasping or attaching to that craziness anymore. It, it's like when I was using, like, if I was to use something now, I probably wouldn't like that feeling. I like the way I feel today, right here, right now, in the moment. The future is always the present moment, right here, right now, for me. So I tried this praying thing when I first came to recovery for about a month. And I went back to my first sponsor and I said, you know, I've been getting on my knees in the morning and knees at night praying and I don't feel any different than when I first started. Maybe I'm an atheist. And he smiles at Michael. You're not intelligent enough to be an atheist. I said, oh, okay then. I suggest you talk to God like you talk to me. Clean it up a little bit. And I said, fucking hey, Right on. He just smiled and walked away. So I was on a road trip myself because I became like my dad. I became, a, I became a cross-country truck driver myself. So one day I'm riding down the road. I rolled down the window and said, hey, God, I'm having a great freaking day. Amen. Yeah. Rolled the window back up. Started maneuver down the road. The sky didn't fall. I didn't run over anybody. Nothing happened. So I, you know, I came in here with a childhood belief system. Today, I've abandoned that childhood belief system, and I have this highest good of radiant energy that I could take with me wherever I go. It's like a portable paradise, you know. I could plug in three pronged approach. The literature talks about a three pronged approach: the willingness, patience, and prayer. So when I talk to my higher power, fear in me is doing the heavy lifting. And it's just, I don't know where it goes. It goes somewhere in the universe. So if I'm writing things down and I'm discussing with another fellow traveler, the answers don't come from the paper that I'm looking at or the things I'm writing. The answer comes from somewhere off the screen. In the universe, it just comes. I've learned the discernment and I've also learned how to develop this intuitive thinking. Listening to my gut. Always, they say, trust your gut. Wow, what's that about? Then somebody said to me, Michael, there's two types of business here. My business and none of my business. I said, okay, then. So I don't have to go around anymore and try to fix, save, or control anybody. I just let everybody be who they want to be and however they do it. And, uh, and that's fine. I become less of a reactor today. I'm more of an actor, and I, I, I experienced more peace, harmony, and tranquility in my life. Now I'm no longer addicted to that excitement. You know, I was reading a line in the Trace book when he talked about trade eight. We became addicted to excitement, and it says negative excitement, you could become either the victim, the perpetrator, or the rescuer. Oh, that's the drama triangle. Now, so if I'm stuck in that either victim role or the, or the other laundry list, perpetrator, or abuser or the rescuer, I'm sure going to stir up some crazy or uh, unsettling energy in my life. That's so, time, Michael. So I guess, well, like I'd like to say thank you very much for the opportunity to be here tonight. Stick a fork in me. I'm done. Thank you.